This is the Disciple Makers Podcast. The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was Disciple Maker, where Roy and Margaret Fitzwater of Navigator Church Ministries led a track called Crockpot Church Cultures in a Microwave World. They've provided the listeners for our podcast with a free PDF resource called the Start Small, Grow Slow Strategy, which leads readers through a pastor's journey to building a disciple-making culture. It's available for free at discipleship.org slash navigators. That's discipleship.org slash navigators. Here's today's track session from Navigator Church Ministries. I'm Cedric Brown, and I'm going to tell you just a little bit about who I am and why I'm up here um, so that you can become comfortable. I'm not going to get into a lot of details because that was in the, in the brochure, uh, but I have been serving with the Navigators for 34 years, and I am on uh, Navigator Church Ministries, and discipleship, disciple-making is my passion. Um, I've been married for 29 years to my wife, Alicia Brown. I don't have a picture like some of the other speakers did, uh, I am a father of five kids, of which there are a set of twins, a boy and a girl. Uh, my wife and I are currently empty nesters because the twins are now in college while we are going bankrupt. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not really that. It's really not quite that bad uh, because of the goodness of God. Um, let's see, what else? I am. Um, I thought I'd let you know I'm a native of Alabama, so I'm uh, right next door to Tennessee, Actually, I can see the signs of Birmingham. I really want to go back, but there's, there's not many people left. Uh, but one other thing is good is that uh, Nashville is, is uh, half of my family lives here in Nashville, Tennessee. So um, I, there's some kind of bittersweet memories of, of Nashville. I've been coming here since 1976 when my brother uh, became a, a mechanical engineer for the Ford plant. Uh, that was located, was bought out, but he served there up until his um, medical leave. And the reason why I say it's kind of bittersweet is because I lost my brother about a year ago. And so, um, so coming back to the airport was kind of, um, kind of brought back a lot of memories, uh, good and some, some hard memories. And then I also lost, uh, lost my niece, which was his, his youngest daughter. She died four months later of lupus. So all of that kind of is conjuring on me um, though sad, yet I am, I'm relieved uh, that they're in the presence of God. And so they're no longer, both had medical issues. And so we can um, move, move on with God before that. I noticed kind of how Callie ended on a sad note. And I'm not trying to start off on a, a sad note, but just, just keeping us real in terms of where we are in the context of this uh, workshop. Let me give you just a brief overview without telling you what the silver bullet is, because I'm sure you all have your own reasoning behind why you came to this particular workshop. But I am going to define what the, what the, silver, bullet, what the silver bullet is. I'm also going to talk about the usage of the silver bullet in our ministry. There will be some guidance on some practical steps as to how that can uh, be incorporated into your own personal lives. It is very important that in this particular workshop that you get an idea of how to experience what we're going to go through and then also get the opportunity to kind of share your experience as you get into the word and how God has been speaking to you 
through the context of reflecting on the scriptures. Uh, and then finally, I may give you a free uh, couple of nuggets that how can enhance your own walk with God as you pursue your ministries and as you pursue the areas of disciple making. Now, one of the things that we haven't done in some of the, the workshops that have been going on, we want to kind of get a composite here of uh, how many of you all are pastors? Okay, so there are maybe a third or fourth. Uh, how many of you all are church leaders? That can, I guess that depends on your definition. Um, but I assume that you have, let's put it this way. How many of you all are on staff at a church, excluding the pastors? Okay. Um, so for those who didn't raise your hand, fill in the blanks. Where, 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 what are you doing in your churches? Deacon. Deacon, okay. Anyone else? Elder. Elder. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Lay Shepherd. Lay Shepherd. Did we mean? Believer. Believer. Okay. So we got a good composite. You know, I was, I, I was, as I, in preparation for this, I wasn't real sure uh, who my audience was going to be. I figured that the most of you would be pastors or, or considered ministers in your, in your churches. So uh, I designed the, the workshop with that in mind. So what you're going to face is not going to be anything new. Um, but I will say that the title of this workshop is called The Silver Bullet. Now, you might ask, how did we come up with that as a title? Well, let's start off. I didn't come up with it. So I just kind of followed suit on it. But I had, some, I had a lot of reflection on the, on the word silver bullet. Um, and as I began to start talking about it, I said, well, you know, we live in a very uh, gun-crazed culture. And, um, and perhaps calling a silver bullet um, may not, the timing might be off. Uh, I'm sensitive to that, really. The timing might be off. But as I began to read and research the silver bullet, it is not really considered an object to kill is really considered something of a, a method or a process that can solve something complicated or get to something very quick. Mm. But, can, but most importantly, it looks at how can you kind of get to something uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that solves a complicated uh, problem that you're currently existing. And so, <clears throat> thus the definition of a silver bullet, a one specific Thing that solves a multifaceted problem. Now, I'm not sure as you come in here, that's what you're bringing, many problems, complicated as they might be. So the question becomes, well, if you had a silver bullet, would you use it uh, for spiritual growth? Um, and that's the question that we're going to try to answer today. If you discovered it, or if you knew it, would you use it? And I like to believe that we would. And so what you've heard, or maybe you haven't heard because this is your first time in this workshop, but this is, this is a track. And so our tracks have really kind of been covering or emphasizing some various themes. And one of the themes in this particular track is the areas of reflective reflection on scripture. 
I call it reflecting on scripture, but also not only reflecting on scripture, but the opportunity to be before the presence of God. Um, there's nothing new about that. And I like to believe that you're not in here because it's, you're looking for something new. But I would like to believe that you're in here to reinforce and maybe to uh, enhance what you already have, not to discover anything new. So I'm not going to elaborate on anything new, but I am going to hopefully affirm you in a process that I will believe that's going to be very meaningful to you. Uh, in, the in the workshop that was previous before here, before my presentation, we ended on a note stating that we can get very caught up in ministry. And of course, the reason why you're here is because you're here to learn about disciple making. And there are gobs of, of, of uh, ministries here that wants to get your attention. And then you're probably going to leave here with your mind flooded with a lot of information, good information, uh, good strategies, good processes, but that has a tendency of weighing you down. And then the question becomes, uh, how do I process through this? Well, really the only way you can is to get before the presence of God, to really kind of sense what is it that he wants you to do with the information that you are, are garnering from a, from a conference like this with the, mag, with the numbers of, 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 of 1,400 people all looking to see what, what can we do better. But I'm coming to say that there is something that we can do, and that is that we want to be able to listen to the voice of God in the midst of many things that will be uh, um, countering for our attention. So on that, uh, I want to quote to you um, something from C.S. Lewis. And it reads that the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animal, animals. And the job of each morning consists in shoving them all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view and letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. And so it's in that context that we want to hear the other voice. Really, we want to hear the voice that matters. We want to hear the voice that's going to make a difference so that we can make a difference. And so I'm going to introduce you to uh, a little video clip that I like to believe will make that difference and to emphasize the point that I want to make. Focus on my voice. Simple video that really communicates to the depth of what we all should be doing. There are many things that are grabbing at our attention. And they're good things. But it's kind of like with Mary and Martha, only one, one thing really counts. And that's to make sure that we hear the right voice so we can do the right thing. And, you know, I want to give you a, an example of this. Last, last Saturday, I had, <clears throat> I had one of the most challenging days 
that I've had in a long time. It started at 5.15 in the morning. I got a phone call from a dear friend, a guy that I actually discipled, oh, maybe 15 to 20, about 20 years ago. He's now a pastor. And he called me. I happened not to have my cell phone next to my bed. But I, I did hear it because my body is just, it's, it's kind of set to get up at 5 o'clock every morning, regardless of whether I want to or not. My body's just in this routine of getting, getting up at 5. So I was, I was fairly awakened, and I heard the phone ringing. I said, man, who's calling at this time in the morning? So I run downstairs, and I looked at my cell phone, and I noticed, ah, it's my friend Reginald. And, uh, and then he left me a text, and he said, are you up? And so I, I texted him back, and I said, yeah, I am. I'm going to give you a call. And I called him. And there were some things that he was weighed down with, and he just needed someone to pray with him for his preparation for the day. And so I listened to all that he had to share, gave him my personal counsel on the matter, and that went from 5.30 to 7. Then eventually I did get up, and then I did start my day, and then by 9, the phone rings again. And I realized, oh, I did tell someone to call me around nine and we could talk today. And did we talk? So it went from nine in the morning until 1130. So I'm feeling like I'm getting back to back counseling calls. And by the time 12 o'clock rolls around, I'm just I'm just blown. I'm just drained. And I said, I need a break. And. I took a brief break, and then at 2 o'clock, I get another call, another intense situation where the mother is at the end with her son, and the son happens to be a good friend to the family, so we, we, we know the family fairly well. But, you know, they're asking me for my counsel, asking for my input, and so that went from about 2 to 3 o'clock. So now, you know, it's kind of like the day is getting by and I began to start recognizing, wow, there's a lot going on. And I recognize that I was depleted. Many of you, have you ever felt that way? You just ministry takes a lot out of you and you feel like you're depleted. And so I'm not sure what you do, but I know what I did. I said, okay, I'm going to pull back. I just got to pull it back because all of my resources are gone, are gone and I don't have anything else to really work on. So I'm going to I'm just going to listen for God. I'm going to quieten myself and then I'm just going to kind of relaunch again before I get caught up into anything else. And, and life can get like that. There are times when it gets very complicated to the point that things get out of whack, get out of balance. And so there's something that we need to do. So in my case, I pulled back so that I could listen to the voice of God, that I got into the scriptures and really began to re-meditate on some things that I was viewing in my Bible reading, as well as some other things that kind of prepared me for the rest of the day. Now, what I'm talking about is not anything new. For you, it may be known as the morning devotion. It could be appointment with God. It could be a quiet time. It could be a morning watch or it could be a time alone with God or an extended time of time alone with God. Whatever, whatever it might be, the most important thing is 
are we focusing in on God? Is he getting our attention so that we know what it is that he wants to tell us, what it is that he wants us to know, and that the fact there is something that he wants to tell us. So why spend time with God? Well, one, he wants to spend time with us. At no time did he ever want us to be basically alone. The God that we serve is a triune God. He's the, really the beginning of community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, there are times when we, there's a need to kind of be set apart to get back into a flow of connecting. But we're never to be apart for a long period of time. Therefore, we need to stay connected. And so in staying connected, that's being in community with God. And so not only does God want to be with us, there's something he wants to tell us every day. We, there might be something different today than the day before. And then then there may be something different the next day. But we need to keep a sense of expectancy that there's something that God wants to tell us. And we are the ones that really kind of take in charge. We are the ones who really get in charge of allowing for that to happen. If we just set aside the time to hear. So there are times when it becomes very important that we hear from from God because he wants to be in partnership with us. I, um, I'm, a, I'm a life coach, and in the beginning stages of coaching people, particular pastors, I had to do some what I call some pro bono work. And that shouldn't mean anything to you, but I needed some practice. That's the bottom line. And I remember... I getting together with a, uh, at that time he was 22 years old, uh, getting together with this 22-year-old um, young man, and he had a particular problem he wanted to talk with me about. And I said, let's go, let's go down to the Dunkin' Donut. And I met him at the, at the coffee shop there, and he said, you know, that things were kind of getting out of hand for him, and he says, you know, I know I haven't been spending very much time with God, so I know I need to get back into church, and there's a number of activities that I need to do. And he said, but I've been praying to God. And I said, uh, well, what did you tell him? And he said, well, I just began to confess some things that I had not been doing and giving him a litany of different items that I needed him to work on. And then I asked him, I said, uh, so what did he say back to you? And he said, what do you mean, what did he say back to me? I said, well, if it's a relationship, I would think that in a relationship that it's, it kind of goes both ways. You, you talk to the other person and the other person talks back to you. You talk and they, and they listen and then you listen and then you talk back. So what did he say? And he said, well, I didn't know it works that way. And I said, well, yeah, it does. I said, he has something he wants to tell you. 
And if we don't take the time to quiet ourselves, to listen, then we might overshoot it. And that was a new concept to him. He never thought about the value of listening to God. And that God really wanted to say something to him. And that all his life he'd been running on, I'm going to give him all my boatload of requests. But I never stayed still long enough to hear what he wanted to say about those boatloads of questions and those requests that he had given to God. And so what did we do? So there are a number of verses we're going to look at, but not right now. There are five various verses that all of us are going to look at at our table. So, um, but before we do that, before we get to those verses, because they're on your tables and they look like um, a package like this. I can't believe it, I can't get it. So just going to grab one uh, and then I will instruct you further on uh, at your table. Do you not have... What about the table over here? You don't have them? Oh, uh, take this packet right here. Okay. Now, when we get to the point of reading the verses and meditating on them, then, but I don't want you to grab them now. There's another packet with recording your time with God. And that's where you're going to record. So here's some of the things that we're going to look at when it comes down time for us to look at the verses as well as recording those particular times and then asking God to speak to us. So how do I pursue closeness with God? Well, one of the ways that we'll look at is what I consider some very essential things. Stop. Look, listen, and respond. Now, this really shouldn't be anything new. But perhaps the way we will approach it could be new to you as I present it to you in a way that I hopefully will be refreshing to you. So let's look at the area of stop. How do I go about preparing my heart with God? Well... I look at stop as being something where we're getting ready to really focus in on God. And so before we get into the word, we stop all activity. Now, with my life, what I do to stop is I invite the presence of God into my presence, into my space, into my persona, into my being. Now, what I want to introduce you to very briefly is, and I was talking to one of my colleagues about this, is the emphasis on solitude and silence. When I stop before God. And I take about 20 minutes before I even get into the Word just to allow the presence of God to overtake my being. It may take that much time to quiet my heart, 
quiet my body, quiet my mind, quiet my spirit, and quiet my soul. So that, like in the Smallville <laughs> clip, I can hear with a sense of clarity the voice of God. Now for me, and I don't know about you, but I go in my backyard. I take my patio chair and I sit on my patio. And I have about a half an acre uh, in Camp Springs, Maryland that I live, where I live. And I'm not allowing my mind to just wander, but I am allowing the quietness of the moment to take over my, my being. And each time I've done that, the clarity of God becomes crystallized. Just before I get into the Word. It's my way of saying good morning, God. It's my way of saying to God, I am inviting you into this particular moment. And it it's enables me to put aside the distractions. And I usually don't start it. My wife works, and my daughter, my, my third daughter, my third child, who is a school teacher, everybody is out of the house by seven o'clock. And by the time they get out of the house, that's when I begin to start my time with God. But the value of solitude and silence has been a game changer for me before I even get into the Word. And then once I'm ready to get into the Word as God's presence impacts my presence, then I'm ready to hear. And so when I get to the point of the Scriptures, now I'm at a point of saying, Lord, help me to discover new truth from your word today. What is it that you want to tell me as I look into your word, as I reflect on your word? Lately, and I'm going to just give you a brief synopsis, I know we talk about relationship with God a lot in all of our talks, but I've been reflecting on the tent of meeting in Exodus. And the tent of meeting is really the precursor to Jesus' coming of what he, what he will represent to us. But what I noticed that with the tent of meeting is that this was a way that was God was teaching a people who didn't know him how to get to know him. I only have time to just emphasize one thing is that not only is God personal, but he's still holy. He's still holy. And we just didn't, and with the tent of meeting, you just didn't rush into this. That there was a process that had to be, one would have to go through. And of course, it generally was with the, with the various priests that came through, the, through the, the line of Aaron. And then you had the high priests. 
But by the time you got to the Holy of Holies, that could only be entered into once a year. And all I'm saying is that when we get into the presence of God, that really shouldn't be outside of a crisis. It shouldn't be anything that we rush into. And there was just warnings all throughout the scriptures ever since the fall had occurred that God is still telling us he is a holy God. And though there is there is an emphasis on relationship with him, let's not forget that he's a holy God. And it's really only because of the sacrifice that Christ has made on our behalf through his body and through the shedding of his blood that we have that relationship in the first place. And because of what Christ has done for us on our behalf, it now allows us to go before the presence of God. Because if we didn't have that, we wouldn't live. That's how sinful, that's how wicked, that's how dangerous sin is. That because we're fallen creatures, if we didn't have what Christ had done, and we call ourselves wanting to enter into his presence, we wouldn't live. Not because he doesn't have the, want to have that relationship with us. It's because he requires that we be holy too in order to have the interaction that he desires to have, which is then called a partnership. And that's what we had before the fall. But then after the fall, God required a sacrifice. That's why there were all the various offerings. But my main point there is when we get into that relationship with God, we're getting into the presence of a presence of a holy God. Now, as we look at the scriptures, there's some things that we can do to enhance that particular moment. For instance, as we look at the verses or passages that may, we may have at the time, there's something that we might say, well, what stands out about this particular passage as I'm reading it? You can circle. It's not a Bible study, but it's just an enhancer to kind of get your mind as to who is this God that I am engaged with this morning? What does he want to tell me? And then how am I going to reflect on what is true about what I'm reading? There may be some questions that you want to ask as you look at the passage. What is it saying? What time period is occurring? Who's all involved in this particular passage? What is the effects that it's having on them as they're in encountering with God or maybe they're not encountering God? And then as I read this, what am I to do? One of the emphasis about disciple making and the uniqueness that we have in disciple making is the question of application. What will I do? How, I'm, how am I going to apply the truth that I'm learning today into my life that it becomes a reality? Not knowledge, but a reality. So as we look for, we go through the process of stop, look. Now we need to look into the areas of listen. Lord, what is your thought for me 
today. As I mentioned about the young man at the uh, Dunkin' Donut, he didn't go in with the idea that God had something he wanted to tell him. And the same principle is still true for us. What is it that he wants to tell us? What are your thoughts for me today? And the good thing about uh, getting together with God on a, on a daily basis is that there's something new every day he wants to say. He's just that vast. There are no leftovers. There's something fresh that he wants to encounter into our spirit. And so it should be that we come with that sense of expectation as we go before him. Now we get the opportunity to respond. How exactly are we going to take into place what we've heard from God? This whole acronym called SPEC is nothing new. I heard that, well, I became acquainted with SPEC in 1974, while I was studying at the University of Alabama, I, I, I saw the brother here with the red on. I had to, that's community, right? Community. Okay. All right. That's all I'm going to say. We'll talk later. But yeah, I became acquainted with SPEC in 1974. And during that particular time, <clears throat> I was acquainted with the, the acronym S is for Sin to Avoid. P is for promise to claim, E is example to follow or avoid, C is command to obey, and K is the knowledge to praise God. Now, that might be something new to you, a new acronym, but I'm introducing it to you today as a possible application, of which we now get the opportunity to apply this. So, this is not intended for you to read. Because I can't read it, and I'm sure you can't either. But I printed this off so that you could read it and so that you could see it. So I like for, this is what i like for you to do. Grab one of the stacks of slithers of paper with the verses on it. And then i like for you to take that verse, and then i like for you to use this as a guide for you to go through the particular passage that you have. And so you're going to answer the questions, stop, well, the essentials, the stop, the look, the listen, and respond. That will be the process that you're going to go through. And I'm going to give you about 15 minutes to do that. So you can take as long as you take, as long as you think, I'll cue you when the time is up. But I do would like, I don't want you to rush into it, but I want you to quieten your spirit as you go before God and then go into the verse and then going through the stop, look and listen. After 15 minutes, you're in tables together. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask the gentleman over here. I don't know your name. I want you to come jo join uh, the men right here. There's another brother right here, and there's a young lady in the back. I'd like for you all to come forward, and you probably should um, 
Why don't you join this table right here? Now, two things I'm, I'm, I'm going for here is for you to experience the scriptures as you reflect over what God is saying in his word and also the value of community as you share your thoughts with those at the table. And we'll take about 15 minutes for that. And then we'll have about five minutes or so and I'll probably take just a few highlights of what you learned from the experience to share with the rest of us. And then we'll end. So let me open this up with a word of prayer and then we'll get started. I know we're here at this conference, God, uh, for about disciple making. But without you, we are nothing. And so we don't want to rush into something as as important as disciple making is before you and before us without getting your thoughts, your clarity, the direction of your spirit. So will you use this particular time as an opportunity for us to hear your word, hear your voice, and apply your truth into our lives? We look with a sense of expectancy. We look for an instance of clarity as we read your word and we ask your spirit, your Holy Spirit, to direct us into truth that can be applied to our lives for this day. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Okay, what I'd like for you to do now is to discuss among yourselves what you heard from God based on the passage, based on what you read, and perhaps what you responded on. So I'll let you um, discuss that. Yeah, I, um, I, at this table I had the advantage of uh, listening to them and, um, and, and one brother shared about the, the, the silence and the solitude so captured him, he never quite got to really getting through the word. It, it can happen that way, and I'm not by any means um, making this a mark of, the, of the, the, the workshop. I just can only tell you from my own personal experience is that um, as I want to hear the word, of, as I want to hear the, the word of God, as I want to hear the voice of God, I can't rush that. I, I just can't run in for the presence of God and write down a lot of thoughts. I, I need to quieten myself. To even quiet, to first kind of process what's going on through my heart uh, before I can even give it to him. Now, I know he knows all things, and so in reality, it's, it's helpful for me to go through that particular process. As I say that, I, I, I realize that I, in your handouts is something I should have done, but I, I have it written down here, and I hope you can read my handwriting. If you not, if you can't, I can tell you more. Um, there is a book on, on, uh, on uh, solitude and, uh, and silence by Ruth Barton. Uh, I heard her years ago. When I heard her, 
at a conference, she was speaking, speaking on the strengthening the soul for leadership, which kind of gets into the same thing. And so as we, as we look through that, there's a, that's just an aid for you. If you are, like books and facts and things along that, that would be very helpful. And then secondly, there are some prayers, some prayers that I pray and use that have been very beneficial to me. It's uh, prayers that kind of take me through the gospel even before I go and get into God's word. And that's by John Eldridge. Uh, John Eldridge, you can download, if you, you can go to uh, ransomheart.com. There's a series of prayers that you can use that, he, that are free. They're very biblical based. Uh, and they, they really kind of assist me into kind of reconnecting to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, reconnecting to um, the fact that there's the blood, just kind of acknowledging that the blood of Christ is on me, Uh, for the remission of my sins, uh, going through the actual confession of my sin. All of those are important of kind of living out the gospel on a day-to-day basis. If we pray through those things, they certainly kind of get us in a perspective of how to hear from God and how to hear his truth, uh, recognizing that we, we, we may be in the ministry, but the ministry has actually gone before us because of what Christ has done. So we're not really coming before God on our own righteousness, but, we, but coming before him on his righteousness. And so that kind of reestablishes that particular fact for us as we are in the vineyard of God to, uh, to carry out the wishes and the desires for him. So that's just a, a little bonus uh, that I want to send you away. Now, there are th- three things I want to do right now. And one is, well, what was the civil bullet in this workshop? Yes, sir simple response to a multifaceted problem. All right. There you go, sir. And what were the, the essentials of getting before God? What are some of the essentials that you can use to get before God? Oh, well, ah, I was going to let you, I was not going to let you go, but you hit respond. Oh, and I'm about to give you the wrong thing. Stop, look, listen, and respond. All right. And then finally, everyone gets one of these. So uh, when you walk out, we have a, a little book called, a booklet called Crockpots, Microwaves, and Disciple Making. It is a pastor's perspective on his journey of the developing a disciple making culture, recognizing that it is not something that is done overnight and is not something done very fast. And so each one of you, if you haven't, you will get one of these as you proceed. Thank you so much for coming. I ran just a little bit over, but I believe that God blessed and used this opportunity. Thank you all. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. That message was from Navigator Church Ministries track called Crockpot Church Cultures in a Microwave World at the National Disciple Making Forum. You'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources like this podcast at discipleship.org. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker. And don't forget to pick up the free PDF resource called The Start Small Go Slow Strategy at discipleship.org slash navigators.